Are you the type of fan that knows football so well you can choose any game and just basically call it? Or at least you think you can? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all that sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. If you bet smart, bet with your head, no over it. It's fun. You can do it. And uh, it's a great hobby to have. As Mr. X says, it's the only hobby that pays you money when it goes well. Between football season, the NBA, and now the start of college basketball, it is time to get off the sidelines. Get in on the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, you can try parlays. So you can bet some big favorites of the week. Who doesn't love nailing a big underdog and saying, yeah, I had that team money line, winner, winner, chicken dinner. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you're tired of watching the games on the couch, just flipping around going, this is boring, I don't care about it. Hey, have 10 bucks on it, 20 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. Trust me, you're now interested. Your adrenaline is pumping. Your Saturday night is all right. If you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit two grand, you get an extra grand in free money to play with and put into action. Promo code is ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, to activate the offer. And once again, promo code ZABE to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Go to MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Today on the ZabeCast, Ron Thomas joins me to talk about things that he has done with his kids and things he did as a kid with his dad, and I'll share my stories as well. Why I refuse to jump into this White House visit argument regarding the Nationals. That plus the Pope, movie Stroker Ace, and a whole lot more. Your 45 minutes of gloriously uncensored me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Here we go! Wednesday, November 6, 2019. Thank you for downloading. So, you guys are good. You, you're good. More than one person, based on my little snippet to start yesterday's Zabecast about listening to a book on tape, more than one of you guessed that I was indeed listening to the book, uh, a, New York, a New York Times bestseller. Uh, by a guy named Mark Manson. I don't know his full backstory. I'm sure I'll research it. Uh, called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And it's very interesting. I see a lot I can learn from this book. What, you? You already don't give a fuck about stuff. No, no. I mean, I may project that outwardly. But trust me, in my real life, personal life, my professional life, yeah, I can see easily where I care too much about things I should not care about. And I care too much about not letting people down. I actually had to just, just recently, I finally realized, stop saying sorry for shit you have no reason to be sorry about. I used to throw sorries around all the time, just as sort of a, as a freebie, as a, hey, look, you know, I, I can't make it to this or I'm going to, I need to ask for a day off. Hey, I've got a day off. You know, I, I, ha- I have the ability to spend a vacation day. Stop saying sorry. Need to be more like Stanley Hudson from The Office. I told my wife I never apologize. And I'll tell my next wife that. And if she don't like it, she can find the door. <laughs> Something like that. So yeah, the book is, uh, it's interesting. I'm probably about a third of the way through it. And, uh, 
Uh, it's on in the car whenever I pop it in. But hey, screw that. Don't listen to books on tape. They're so lame. You won't learn anything. Listen to the Zabecast and you will learn lots. You'll learn things like this. Tony Dungy has tweeted, he has had it with the NFL and the refereeing and replay and PI and pretty much you name it. After Monday night's game, Cowboys... Giants that included a black cat loose on the field. There was multiple PI calls that were quite suspect. One of them was challenged by Pat Shermer of the Giants, and he should know. Challenging PI is akin to the basketball game at the state fair or on the boardwalk where it looks easy. Make one shot out of three shots and you get a large stuffed animal. Well, The rims are 11 feet tall. They are half the size of a normal basketball rim. And the basketballs themselves are pumped up to, oh, I don't know, 78 PSI. They One pin prick and they'll explode like a balloon. Good luck on that. You can't win the challenge game. I think after Shermer failed on a challenge, and I I didn't see the play in question. I hear it was bad. It should have been pass interference. It wasn't. When he failed on the challenge... I believe that brought your season total of PI challenges to 5 and 58, which is a joke. That is not a normal distribution of overturns and corrections. It's not what it should be. 5 and 58. So Dungy, and there was also a late PI call against the Giants that was far less egregious than the one they didn't overturn, and of course that one didn't get fixed either. This is the hell Everyone who has a brain saw coming and I hate Sean Payton and I hate the saints and I hate any one of you who emails me saying, Oh, come on. Don't I hate you people. Can I say that one more time? Go to an Island, watch your shitty sports with this crap in it. The way you think is better and leave the rest of the world alone. Who wants to go back to watching sports without replay at all. Tony Dungy tweets, quote, please, NFL, do us a favor and don't let coaches challenge any more pass interference calls. You're causing teams to lose timeouts. You're making your officiating department look inept. You're making us fans feel stupid and we don't like we don't know the meaning of clear, obvious and significant, which is the language of the P.I. rule that Sean Payton, who wouldn't shut up and the Saints, who wouldn't shut up, lobbied for in the offseason. Well, it's got to be clear, obvious, and significant. Well, yeah, we're seeing that a lot, and we're not seeing the overturns. When you've lost Father Dungy, Tony Dungy, you've lost the room. You've lost the argument. You've lost the fight. Please, God, they've got to get rid of this in the offseason. Kellen Winslow Jr. or Kellen Kellen Winslow II? Kellen Winslow II pleads guilty and accepts 12 to 18 years in prison for raping, amongst other women, an unconscious teenager back in 2003, one of five different alleged heinous sex crimes he was facing and potential life in prison. The Kellen Winslow II story, the K2 story, is unbelievable, given the fact that this should not happen to a kid who grew up already sleeping in satin sheets with his dad, as one of the all-time great legendary NFL players. In fact, Kellen Winslow's senior, I think, might be one of the top 100 
in the NFL. He might be getting celebrated this year. And his kid was on track and was a really good young player. And man, something went wrong somewhere along the line. And of course, his lawyer said, yes, he is suffering from CTE. And that may have played a role in these heinous crimes. And let me just say this. That's fucking bullshit. Don't bring that up. Don't bring that into this, okay? Because we know so little right now about CTE. We know, uh, we, we barely know who has it, how does it manifest, who else not involved in contact sports might have it, what other mitigating factors are there, how does it develop, what, what behaviors does it affect, is there a pattern, what can we, a million things we don't know. Don't say, oh yeah, yeah CTE, that's why he was raping people. Come on. Lucky though, because he was facing life behind bars and 12 to 18 years is relatively light, even if he does not get parole early. There is a tsunami of quarterbacks coming this offseason. There's going to be so many interesting directions that players decide to go. And I'm trying to get you know my head around it. Everyone is right now looking at the landscape because, hell, this week we had a couple more. I mean, uh, Cam Newton put on IR. He's done for the year. What's Cam going to do? I think he's going to retire. I think he's going to pull a Andrew Luck and say, you know what? I had a great career, a lot of money. I like fashion. I'm out. See you later. Dak Prescott's going to get paid a ton of money. Why? Because he plays, he starts, he's durable, he's reliable, he's good, he's great at times, he's minus at times, but he's he's going to get paid. Phillip Rivers probably should retire, but guess what? I don't see him doing it. He likes to, A, play football, B, make babies, He's going to keep going. Jameis Winston is infuriating with his inconsistency. At times, he looks like, fuck yeah, we can build a team around this guy. And then other times, you're like, he's an idiot. What is he doing? Marcus Mariota, I think destined for clipboard duty the rest of his career. Andy Dalton, same. Been benched in Cincinnati. Eli Manning, he'll be 38 or 39, 39. And he is uh, at the end of his contract with the Giants, so... He's a total free agent. Does he want to go somewhere as a ride-along? Does he want to be a super backup to a team that may need him for a stretch of games? We'll see. Joe Flacco, also IR'd in Denver. What are they going to do with him? Probably should move on. Drew Brees, he's going to be 42, I want to say. 41-42. And who knows? Tom Brady, technically a free agent next year. Big Ben on the shelf. How will he come back? Alex Smith may want to make a comeback. He keeps talking about it with the Redskins, which is frankly insane. And then you've got some career backups who might be attractive to some people. Has Ryan Tannehill in his short stint with the Titans rehabbed his image enough that a team would go, you know what? We'll make you our starter. What about Teddy Bridgewater? He'll be another guy. And then you've got lower level guys that can still play that might be needed somewhere like Case Keenum for the Redskins, and who knows. Dwayne Haskins could be available this winter because he's not lighting the world on fire right now. It's going to be a fun offseason. Right now, this season has been meh, minus if you ask me, because the the NFL is a TV show about quarterbacks, and all of our favorite characters in this TV show uh, either got killed off or they wrote them out of the season, and they're not in the, the episodes. But I'm still watching, you're still watching, despite all of this. Okay, let me give you three minutes on this White House visit, and I'll be done with it. I have plenty of opinions on this, and they do run the gamut, and they would some would seem to be contradictory if you and I were sitting down over beers and talking about this, frankly, one-to-one. But I'm not going to share them here because 
It's basically, in today's climate, you, the listener, you want me to be your champion. You want to like me. You, you listen to me. That's why, you know, you like me. That's why you listen to me. You like what I have to offer. You don't want to go, oh, he thinks that? Really? Or, God, how can he not realize that dot, dot, dot? So I'm in a no-win situation on this. But I, you know, like I said, if we were sitting down over beers, I'd love to hash this out. There's a lot of angles to it, and there's a lot of elements that have to be sorted through. I will be, I'm bound to fall short of your expectations if I gave you my quick opinion on was it right or was it wrong for the Nationals and two of the players to go up there and uh, basically give the president a bit of a bump in terms of, hey, they're, they're associating with him freely and they're not condemning him. Wow, it's almost like they're endorsing him. How dare Kurt Suzuki put on that hat? How dare Ryan Zimmerman say thank you for keeping the country safe? Does he know about shootings? Does he know about cop? You know, I've heard all these arguments on our station uh, today. I don't think it makes for good sports radio, and I don't think it's productive, but every host has the ability to talk about what they want. I choose to say I'm not getting into it, not because I don't have thoughts and not because I'm afraid of them. It's just a no-win situation. That's all. And I don't want to muddy the waters, the feel-good waters of a glorious world championship run and a team that I fell in love with, and you too did as Nats fans. So if you want to get in this pointless food fight, then go ahead. Get slathered in egg salad, have a piece of meatloaf fall on your head, convince yourself you are changing minds and changing the world and fighting the good fight. Me? Nah. I'm on to Cincinnati. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well you can choose any game and just basically call it? Or at least you think you can? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all that sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. If you bet smart, bet with your head, no over it. It's fun. You can do it. And uh, it's a great hobby to have. As Mr. X says, it's the only hobby that pays you money when it goes well. Between football season, the NBA, and now the start of college basketball, it is time to get off the sidelines. Get in on the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, you can try parlays. So you can bet some big favorites of the week. Who doesn't love nailing a big underdog and saying, yeah, I had that team, money line, winner, winner, chicken dinner. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you're tired of watching the games on the couch, just flipping around going, this is boring, I don't care about it. Hey, have 10 bucks on it, 20 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. Trust me, you're now interested. Your adrenaline is pumping. Your Saturday night is all right. If you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit two grand, you get an extra grand in free money to play with and put into action. Promo code is ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, to activate the offer. And once again, promo code ZABE to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Go to MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Hey, Steve. You know, there are friends in life, dear friends, and then there are friends who just are relentlessly kicking ass that kind of piss you off. And Ron is one of those guys because he is racking up so many Father of the Year points. It's a joke! I love you, 
I hate you. Slow the fuck down. You're making the rest of us look bad, Ron Thomas. There is so much to see and so much to do. You are great. Just... You're great. Ser- I mean, seriously, genuine admiration. You sent me pictures of your boy Winston and his buddy at the uh, Nationals uh, Championship Parade. I loved him. Don't ever stop sending me those photos. Don't stop sending me photos of you and him playing in the father-son Middle Atlantic uh, four ball or whatever tournaments you play yep, with him. Yep. Don't ever stop that. But just know that I look at that and I say, God damn, Ron is doing it so right. And I really, uh, I know Winston loves you. And I know that he'll appreciate and cherish these moments as he gets older. But I just hope that kids being kids... They don't quite take for granted all that their dad is giving them exposure to because, holy shit, this kid, Ron, you've taken him everywhere, in the pits, Indianapolis, to basketball games, to parade. I just – I want to be I want to be your kid, Ron. I want to be oh, your gosh. 51-year-old middle-aged bald kid. Take me places. Well, Steve – How you know, doing, buddy? I appreciate, well, I appreciate you saying that. And, you know, to dumb it down a little bit is – you know, I've lost too many friends, especially in the last couple of years and friends who had kids about the same age as my son. Right. And the immediate thing that I think of when I'm at the funeral and I'm looking at the kids and I think, you know, these kids will never get to do anything with, you know, not only sons, sons and daughters, but they won't yeah. get to do anything again with their father. Right. And I know, again, it's trite, somewhat trite, I guess, but it's true. I just want to get as much in as I can, um, you know, while I'm still well, above ground. I don't and, have any plans of being below ground, right? but you just never know. Well, you and never the, know. And the thing, too, and, you know, I don't know how much stuff you went to as a kid growing up in Indiana. A fair amount, yeah? Would you consider – uh, my father, really quickly, my my father, he passed away 2004, but he sold cars in Indiana, my real father. And he uh, ran dealers, a couple dealerships. You know, he just was a wheeler in the dealer, city pool champion five times <laughs> in Indianapolis. But he sold cars and he sold a lot of cars to the Pacers. And this is before we had the Colts, but back in the 70s. And even in the early 80s, when the when a pacer needed a car, when they weren't making what they're making, they were maybe right. making some of them the highest paid. We were talking 125000 to 200000 a year, George McGinnis and those guys. But uh, so we would get tickets. That's the point of me telling all of this is we would get tickets to the Pacers games. And that was what I loved to do was to go to Pacer games with my dad and sit there and watch you know, Dr. J and these guys play. And, um, you know, so I just, yeah, I, I so love it. You, it's yeah, not that I'm doing it for my son. I, I love right, it. Right. It's not, it's not, it's not a heavy lift for you. So no, in other words, isn't. so in other words, when Ricky Sobers or Alex English needed a ride back in the day, your dad was yeah, getting right. him a sled. <laughs> Jerry Seesting, uh, when Len Elmore, Edward, when Len Elmore or or Mike Bantam needed it, a well, new. These sl- are Pacers. I'm naming the Pacers. Don Boozy, <laughs> in the old school. I'm, I'm cheating. I'll I'm be on, honest. I'm on basketballreference.com be- right now. I just oh, picked the 78, 79 Pacers as a reference. Yeah, I'll be honest with you though. Since we're such good friends, and I mean we're boys, when I send you pictures. You know what I think about? What? I think about the fact that you have girls. Oh, boy. And 
I really do. <laughs> I really do. Because I know that all dudes want would want to have a boy. It's true. And I've yeah. said this and, before and I don't shy away from it. And I love my daughters with all my heart, but, and, and I could have done better in raising uh, my second daughter to be more of a sports fan, but I don't know. I don't know how much you can push it. I, I, I guess I didn't push it hard enough, but whatever. Bottom line is every guy, you're right. That's a sports fan wants to have a son or sons. And so there is a little bit of that hole there, but I live vicariously through you. I live vicariously through, through Scott Lynn, who's got two sons, and he took his boys to the parade, and he showed me the pictures, and I was like, yeah, that's great. I love it. And, and our guy Johnny Rhodes, one account, who's got three boys, including twins, yep. and he runs them around. So, yeah, but um, the thing that's, about, that's great about taking you know, your kids to events and sporting events is that you never know – how much an event or just an experience could impact them in a positive way in terms of meeting somebody, in terms of opening their worldview, and just remembering what it was like, you know, to be. I'll never forget one of my first memories uh, as a young sports fan was my first time into RFK Stadium. So we go there, and of course, back then, you couldn't get tickets. There was a true hard sellout, and you had to get scalper tickets. Now, my grandfather, Nick O'Neill, former uh, Brooklyn fire chief, Ron. Oh, wow. So he, I never knew that. I He had Irish tough in him, even though at this point, he was a 78-year-old, brill-creamed, gray-haired Phoenix retiree with still a little bit of a Brooklyn accent. So I didn't know he had that tough in him until, Ron, we went to go get tickets for a Redskin game, and we're in the parking mm-hmm. lot. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, Jesus, Grandpa is going to get rolled by these guys, you know? Right. And and a couple of smooth-talking brothers with a couple of tickets come up, and they show them to my grandfather, and he starts you know, negotiating – and he just he puts the hammer down. He goes, nah, nah, we don't want these. And we start. He's like, come on. He grabs my hand. He's oh, like, yeah. let's march. And my eyes, Ron, were as big as saucers. I was like, this is fucking badass. Sure. The guys come after him. They're like, okay, okay, okay. Hold on a second. You know, he wheeled them down from like eighty bucks a ticket or whatever it was. Pretty expensive back in '84, I'd want to say, down right. to like twenty or something. And I was just gobsmacked. And so. Then I'll never forget, Ron, when you walk up, you, you, at RFK, you'd walk up the, the crosswalks outside the stadium. There were long ramps, no elevators, no escalators, and it was just a long crisscross up to the upper deck. And all the time, you're not seeing anything in the inside. And then you get into one of those sort of grimy, old, concrete, narrow tunnels that leads out into RFK Stadium. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. The grass never looked greener. It never felt more surreal. And I was just like, wow, holy shit. Look at this. This NFL football field is right here in front of me. I'll never forget it, Ron. And you're giving your kid all these experiences and then some. It's awesome. Well, you know, the thing is, first of all, one of my favorite movies, and I'm going somewhere with this, is one of my favorite movies is the movie Catch Me If You Can. Oh, yeah. Frank Abagnale Jr., played yes. by Leonardo DiCaprio. And bullshit artists, you know, <laughs> pretend you belong. The, one of the great lines is, you know, his dad um, says that Christopher, or not, was it Christopher Walken's? Yeah. 
Uh, no, not Christopher Walken's. Who was it? I'll, I'll look I it up. While, it? I'll look it up while you're no, talking. Oh my god, I, it's he, one of my favorite movies. I get Christopher Walken's mixed up with. So he says about the Yankees. He says, "Don't get caught uh, watching the pin, or it's the pinstripes, you know that that are distracting or whatever about the Yankees." Right. So my point in saying all this is, a lot of times when I take Winston somewhere, yes, I oftentimes do have credentials or good tickets or passes, but sometimes I don't. And so sometimes I just got to act like I, we belong. For instance, oh, at the parade. Oh. Well, at the parade. By the way, it so was uh, Chris, to... Christopher Walken did play Frank Abagnale Sr., yes, yeah. his dad. Yeah. So we are we go to the parade, and the night before I talked to CJ, station manager. You've talked about him several times on the show. And I said, CJ, you know, what's the deal for tomorrow? And he passes. He said, and well, we talked on the phone, and he said, this this thing is so unorganized. It's not like the Capitals, which was very organized from media-wise, credential-wise. He says, all they told me to do was to show a credential to get into the area that we needed to be, Radio Row, which was right along the stage. Well, I have credentials from Sports Talk 980 from our golf, you know, from doing the Quicken Loans <laughs> tournament from our golf show. So not only do I have one credential, but I have two from year 17 and 18. Oh, my God. So, oh, yeah. So I bring both of them. So we walk up and Steve, you know, first of all, I drove in and I parked at the stadium. And the really cool thing was, is when we were parking at the stadium in the big lot there, we saw the buses with all the teams and the families that were all part of the parade. So immediately wow. that registered with me that, well, we need to be back here when the parade's over for autographs. So we park, we take a cab down into the city, into D.C., you know, five blocks, and they drop us off, and we walk up, and there are people everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. So we follow the crowd. They're walking in the direction. So I find the stage, and there's a security guard there, and it was literally like, you know, on the outside, there was mayhem. There were, not mayhem, but there were people everywhere, and then in this fenced-off area, there was no one except people who had credentials. So I show my credential and I said, you know, we got a radio show and I was told to show my credential. And he said, go ahead. So, and I have Winston and his son, I mean, and his buddy, buddy not they walk son. in, you know, I told Winston, right. I said, stay right by my side. And he knows the whole routine by now. And walk quickly. Long story short, we walk in. Well, when we get in there, I see my friends, Tracy and Sean Leahy and Tracy Leahy is uh, one of the account executives, she's kind of the account executive at Hargrove and Hargrove is the military event. academy. No, Hargrove is the management company that, or the event company that does like, when you see the stage at any inauguration that's them. or at any big event, they yeah. set up the stage. Well, they set this whole thing up. So I see Tracy, I haven't seen her in like six years. She's like, RT, oh my God. She's like, what are you doing back here? And I was like, well, you know, the race, she goes, you don't have any passes. And I was like, no, she goes, hold on. So she goes to the van and she pulls out these all access. Oh my God. Passes. Wow. So next thing you know, we each are wearing this lanyard with this credential and it was on from there. That's so we got to watch fantastic. the parade, but more importantly, we got to sit in the grandstand right next to the stage with the friends and family of the team. 
I'd so I'm, I literally was say, I stood right next to Marvin Bush the entire time. George Hell. Bush's youngest son. Cool uh, as shit. I'm surprised. Guy. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't get uh, invited into the team photo. <laughs> All right. Right. That's, that's great. And that's that another sense. thing that reminds How about that dude who used to impersonate the uh, guys in like the all-star game? Remember he'd be out in the end. He'd be out shagging fly balls back in the seventies and early eighties. Do you oh, remember him? I don't remember that. He would get out in the outfield and shag. Oh, balls. Steve, Steve, he's a legend. He, he even got so far as to be in a layup line during the NBA All-Star game. Oh, wow. Oh, it's incredible. He's got a great – there's a great interview with him. Okay. So so we're sitting up in the grandstand, and we're watching Barry, uh, Barry, know, Barry Bremen. That's Barry his Bremen, name. the great imposter. Incredible, this guy, oh, what gonna, he pulled off. Holy shit. West Bloomfield, <laughs> Michigan insurance novelty goods salesman. <laughs> The great imposter, and it's got a whole list of his things he crashed. Oh my god! You got you got to watch the interview. It's with Dick Chap of all people who does oh the interview god. with him at the seventy nine U.S. Open. The seven handicap Bremen <laughs> snuck onto Inverness and played a practice round with Wayne Levy and Jerry Pate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, exactly him he, he he then went back in the next year at the u.s open at baltus roll and played so poorly in a practice round that a spectator asked the usga's pj boatwright how such a lousy player had made it through qualifying <laughs> fuck this guy's amazing <laughs> oh it's the greatest so, uh, so anyway, we're sitting up there and we had a wonderful time and we left a little bit early because the parade was running behind and we found our way back to first Shake Shack, which is tremendous right next to the stadium. We had a great hamburger and then we made our way over. And those are the pictures I sent you when they were getting off the buses to go to their vehicles to leave. Uh, we got autograph. They got autographs and they got to meet uh Para and they got to meet Rendon and they got to meet Strasburg and we got to meet the learners, the team owners. And wow. it was just an incredible That's experience. Great, but through all of this, Steve, through all of this, yeah, I have two lessons for my son always, just like when we were at the wizards game last night. Well, not well, it'll be two nights ago when this airs, but you know, I have good seats and I've talked about these seats. It's the first time I've had floor seats. I'm not a rich guy. I, you know, I, I do well, but I, my money goes where I want it to go. But I always say to my son and whomever, you know, whoever we bring, whomever we bring. And I say, if you want to do this, you have to work yeah. and you have to make money and you have to put yourself in a position. And I say, do you understand me? I don't just say it and then turn away. I look them both in the eye, but I look at my son if I'm with Winston alone. And I say, do you understand what I'm saying? And he doesn't say, yes, yes, you keep saying that. I He knows that I mean business. Yeah. And so we do a lot of fun things. That's yes, good. we do. But, I'm glad you but said I that need message. him to understand. And then the other side of it is, is I also teach him that there's got to be some bullshit. You know, you can't be afraid to take chances and to make moves right. and to go places. Right. I call so. it I call it the little league base running theory of life. I learned in little <laughs> league that? the one year I the one year I coached little league was you always send the runners whenever there's a ball in play, no matter how crazy it may seem, because you have to make the throw the catch and the tag and for little spindly armed 11 year olds most of the time they're gonna fuck up one of those three things so true so, so i mean true. you you're like bob henley who's known or not bob henley uh who's the third base coach they call him sendley 
for the Nationals because he's always sending guys home and getting them thrown out. That's sort of his yep. joke nickname. In Little League, you send them because in life, you have to make people make the catch, the throw, and the tag. And that's true of a lot of things. Of course, don't it's, be unethical. Don't do anything illegal. That's don't exactly Don't do right. anything that's going to harm anybody. Don't take somebody else's tickets and go, ha ha, I was able to steal them. But a little bit of side grifting is not the worst thing in the world. Okay. Not at all. All right, let's yeah. shift here, hard shift, and uh, pun intended, to mm-hmm. a couple auto racing things. Before this news to yesterday, or today even broke, yesterday, yesterday. about the purchase of the vaunted, what was the purchase of? Indi- Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which has been owned by the Holman George family since 1945. Purchased by? Uh, purchased by Roger Penske and the Penske Corporation. Okay, and, put that um, aside. They also bought the NTT IndyCar Series. So okay. he got the entire venue, which is 1,000 acres of a racetrack. And he also, along with that, he got the racing series. All right, put that aside for a quick second. The mm-hmm. other thing I wanted to talk to you about was this movie called Ford versus Ferrari, which looks awesome. And I thought, I got to ask my boy Ron, tell me about this. Uh, well, it's about Carroll Shelby, and he. I haven't seen the movie, but um, the two guys that are in it, Matt Damon and the other dude, were kind of honorary starters, if you will. They waved the green flag at the Indy 500 this past year. Uh, in Indianapolis, the, the people in the 500 always like to have a celebrity there, and this was fitting. Carroll Shelby, who was a wonderful race car driver back in the late 50s, but really the 60s, uh, he decided that he wanted to take on the Europeans, Ferrari and the such, in Le Mans, at the 24 Hours of Le Mans, and, and various, you know, they have different endurance racing around the world Mm -hmm. but he wanted to take them on and uh he wanted to do it with an american built vehicle you know engine and package if you will and he went to ford and ford agreed with it and they came up with uh the package that ultimately let me let my dog out here that ultimately did win le mans and this was considered craziness like ford with no racing pedigree taking on the mighty Ferrari on their turf. It's like, who who are you? Uh, Christian Bale is the guy, uh, yeah. the actor opposite Matt Damon. So, star power. So Yes, star so power. Sounds like don't know. It sounds like a great it sounds like a great movie. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Sounds like you're a sort of meh minus on it. Uh, you know, well, how many good golf movies have we found? Are there any besides Caddyshack and, and I, ironically enough, the best golf swings in any golf movie were in Caddyshack. Chevy Chase didn't have a bad swing, and Noonan. I mean, Danny Noonan's was good. O'Keefe, what is that's his name? I kind of so like. I'm just, yeah. I just the special effects and everything. I'm, I'm just not a fan, and it'll be hard to watch, and it'll be overdone. So, what is your favorite and, racing movie? Uh, probably the movie that my grandfather was in with Clark Gable and Barbara Stanwyck called "To Please a Lady." in 1950 that was about uh in indianapolis or it was about the 500 and clark gable plays a race car driver who ultimately wins the indy 500 and my grandfather was the racing technician on it all the racing scenes and he was in it and uh he he also made a couple more movies so so another movie called the big wheel with ian mickey rooney days of thunder would not qualify no, I, no movie. way, no. Right. Talladega Nights is actually Tal- my favorite oh, race yeah. movie Talladega ever. Talladega Nights is so good. 
It's absolutely all right. How about uh, okay, Cannonball Run? Probably not one of the best racing. No, movies not necessarily racing. But how about yeah, Stroker? Sure. How about Stroker Ace? Stroker Ace. Oh my Burt Reynolds, nineteen eighty-three. Well, back then we were just excited that any movie was coming out about auto racing. All right. But there's a there's a great uh, you know Steve McQueen you know, was a great race car driver and he made a movie called Winning. And another one that James Garner was in, and I had the good fortune of growing up uh, being very close to James Garner because he and my grandpa Parsons were not best buds, but pretty close. And so he made a great uh, Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen was in Le Mans, Le Mans, yes. Yes, and uh, James Garner, I believe, was in Winning. Okay. Uh, what about the more recent ones like Rush? Uh, you'll laugh. I never saw it. The Formula One. Yeah, I that's never saw that's it. a Formula One uh, about, yeah, about Nicky Lauda. Yeah, and, Nicky Lauda and uh, Hunt Lauda rivalry between two yeah. Formula One drivers. Yep, James Hunt. Yes, I think is his name. All right, what about Senna, which is a 2010. Senna's movie. Senna's the best. That's a I keep saying the best, but Senna was amazing. That's a documentary, and that is about okay. So that one is worth that's seeing about right there. That's the best. That's the best one that okay. there is. It's it covers his death. It, it's all about his premonition he had about dying, and wow. it's real. It's not. There's nothing fake about it. And uh, I assume you don't consider the Fast and the Furious franchise a racing. Never franchise. watched them. <laughs> I've never have never seen them. And, and and Cars, even though it's a great kids movie, uh, not really a racing movie. Well, car, but Cars was great because again, it was you know it was so popular and it was about racing. Well, that is true. So. And it, yeah. and it hit on a lot of the notes, especially the, I think the sequel about the old, the old race car driver still hanging on. Like I can compete with these young guys. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yep. All right. So enough of that, let's get to this purchase. So what does it mean? And, and how do you feel about it being Indiana born and raised? I feel great about it. I, um, how do you fact, know, feel, how do you know they're not going to fuck it up? Well, cause Roger Penske doesn't fuck anything up okay. that he's involved with Roger Penske. Uh, full transparency is a friend of the families. And um, so I'm a little biased, but in 1951, my grandpa won the 500 in 1950. And in 1951, Lee Wallard won. Um, and Roger Penske's first trip to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway was in 1951 as a 14 year old kid. His dad worked for a sheet metal company, and uh, they were a lap sponsor. Back then, each lap had a sponsor. That's how they built the purse. Are you kidding me? No. So you would. And lap, lap sixty-three is brought to you by Quick Stop yeah. Oil Lubes. Go to your yeah. nearest Wind Quick Stop Oil Lube in Indiana and get on your way in a hurry. Well, if you won that lap, you would get. If you were leading that lap, you got that money. So that's you know one of the reasons these guys went balls to the wall back then is they weren't making a lot of money. Right. They were making enough money to get to the next race. So they're, even if they had some issues, a worn tire or something coming loose on their car, you know, each lap that they led was another 50 or $75 in their pocket. Yeah. So Penske's dad's company that he worked for was a lap sponsor. And so they got to go to the race. He got tickets and he was hooked. So Roger Penske is also, you know, he's won 17 Indy 500s as an owner. All right, there's no one even close to that in Got second. It. Translation, Roger Penske is the Indianapolis 500. He loves it. He set the standard. When he came to the 500 in 1972, he won with Mark Donahue. I want to say his first year there. I should know, maybe 70. It's all right. 69 or 70, but he showed up with 
a publicist. He showed up with team uniforms. He showed up in with wearing a tie. You know, he, he, he was, it was all business. And yeah. what he did is he changed auto racing, Steve, forever. All right. So what these people saw that. <clears throat> so it's a fitting, it's, right. it makes so, sense. So what then does he have? What is his vision going forward? What does he want to do with the race and with the track? Uh, well, he doesn't need to do anything with the track except, and he said such in the press conference, but he has started a new company and endeavor called Penske Entertainment. And that is just out of buying the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. This is a deal that's been going on for six weeks. And to be honest, I've known about this for some time. It's been a very hard secret to keep. Um, but he has visions of making this 1,000 acres, as he said, the entertainment capital, not only of the state of Indiana, but of the country. So he wants to so, make it racing, racing wonderland. Which is no beyond, beyond racing, Steve, beyond racing concerts, anything entertainment related, anything that you can use a thousand acre space with 250,000 permanent seats. Most of it racing. Yes. He definitely is going to do a 24 hour race. Okay. However, there are no lights at the Indianapolis motor speedway. So one of his first investments is going to be to put lights up. There are no lights in order to have a 24-hour race. Oh, you have to right. have lights around. Right. So he will have a 24-hour race. So, he would like to bring Formula One back, but that's, that's possible Formula, that they Bring Formula that. One back to the Brickyard? Yes. I thought they went too fast for that. No, no, no. Well, no, they run. It's, they Same use, car, just different. No, 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 no. Formula One car, but it's on the road course. There's a road course inside right. of this. But putting a Formula inside. One car on the oval is not going to be a problem? Well, they've done that. I oh. mean, they had oh, 10. They, oh, they did. I think they, okay. Yeah, they had My seven bad. or eight, maybe 10. All right. The last one was a disaster. Uh, I'm just, remember, I know just enough about racing to be dangerously wrong about stuff. I know that when the IRL went to certain tracks with the open wheel cars, I know when the IRL went to certain tracks with the open wheel, like, I think they went to Texas, and it was mayhem because the cars were too powerful, too fast. Etc. But they've been they've but been at the brickyard for a long time. So they still run at Texas, and I think you're re- referencing when they ran at Dover uh, back in 1996 and 97. A couple of the drivers, Dr. Jack Miller, literally passed out. He was a dentist who, because of the cart IndyCar split, yeah. he just he was he a, like a, literally because a week because the G forces yeah, on the high, on the yeah, high he, banks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they 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 tried running okay. it over, but they had a shortage of tracks back then. But All right, so he so wants this to bring is... back Formula One. He wants to make this place you know, utilize it, but he was so good in his, in his press conference. Of course, he's got the whole Holman George family there, but he was so good as to not make it seem as if the place needed a complete overhaul. They just put a hundred million dollars in it for the, for the hundredth anniversary race. Well, look, I mean, you, you can make an entertainment capital anywhere. So what's special about Indiana, but the draw has to be the Indy. And it has to be racing. And so I see it. It's like what uh, the Packers have done with Lambeau. They've turned that into a whole festival plex of all things Packers and other things not really Packers. Like they do weddings all the time there in the go. atrium at Lambeau Field, which was revolutionary 
20 years ago. Uh, now it's like, well, duh, why wouldn't we want this? They got year-round tours. They got the museum. They got Sledding Hill now, and they're developing all this stuff exactly. out. Exactly. In L.A., Jerry World, Jerry World Jerry and World. the star in Dallas is unbelievable. In L.A., yeah. with this new stadium that they're building for the Rams, it's going to be the same thing. NFL Network headquarters are there, and so they get it. So as soon as you said entertainment, I was like, oh, yeah. It needs to be like a racing wonderland, and obviously with concerts and other stuff to draw in the broadest amount of people. Yes, and in fairness to the Holman George family, they have not done anything wrong at all. There, what happened was Mary, there, there are the kids right now: Nancy, Josie, Kathy, and Tony. Those are the four kids. They're the grandkids of Tony and Mary, Tony, who bought the track in 1945. The place was in disrepair. They didn't race during World War II. They also didn't race during World War I. So when World War II was over, they the place was a mess, and it was going to be developed. And what? fortunately, Wilbur Shaw said, I know a businessman in Terre Haute, Indiana, who I need to get a hold of. Don't sell this place. It was literally going to be developed into homes. Oh, great. And so – Tony Holman came up and he looked at it and he bought it. And the way he paid for it the first year, he already had money. They it's a they own banks and stuff down in Terre Haute. But he sold the concessions licenses in advance, a couple years in advance. Anybody who wanted to sell concessions there, they had to buy a five-year license, I think it was. And he got the money up front or he had that money committed. And that's how he financed it. He cleaned up the racetrack. They raced nice. again in 1946. So he saved the racetrack. Well, these are now his grandkids. And of course, Tony Holman, or Tony George is the one who ran the speedway. He's the one who came up with the safer barrier. He now owns a team. His stepson, Ed Carpenter, is a racer. But the point in me telling you all of this is they had reached the end of their capability. Their mom had passed away just this last year. The the family, there's a lot of dynamics there. They're somewhat fractured. I have to be careful because they could listen to this. They're friends. I've known them since I was a child. But there's just a lot of things that go on. Okay. And they they realized the best thing for the Speedway was to sell it to a man with limitless pockets or deepest pockets. He's a billionaire and he has a vision. He's 80 years old, but he has corporations that will go on forever. That's great. So it's great news. Yeah. It's great news. And isn't there a saying, if you think you've got limitless pockets, get into racing, you'll find the bottom of those pockets? <laughs> on, if, no, he does. If that's not a he, saying that I'm, I just made it up right now. because he, he does. He literally has limitless <laughs> pockets. He's got a, He's got several billion. Yeah, well, you ain't been in the racing game where it, where it <laughs> costs an arm and a leg and you know, two legs. He's been in it for 50 years. He's just the absolute professional. There's right. no one better than Roger Penske. All right. You have, uh, you have two minutes on anything else off the menu for today's visit, and I've enjoyed it very thoroughly. It's been a while since we caught up. What else do you want to talk about? Uh, Tiger Woods, remarkable. I saw a statistic of there were golfers that won in the last 30 years before their 27th birthday. Uh, Three guys tied for second with 11 wins. Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas. Guess who's first? Tiger Woods with 34. Amazing what he's doing, I think it's special. I think it's great. Uh, college basketball is starting these games that are playing tonight. I think it's funny. Calipari can't stand these games. He's got these kids, and the first game of the year, he has yeah, the, to go out and play 
You know? <laughs> yes, go play another quality opponent right away. And uh, these guys, the Calipari's guys, are barely figuring out a pick and roll at this point. You know, they've been with him for five minutes, basically. Yep. Uh, pro basketball, I'm enjoying the hell out of the Wizards. They aren't a great team, but they play hard. You got a bunch of guys that are playing for contracts. Um, they competed. I was at that Houston Rockets Wizards game, which was the game seven night. I mean, um, 159, 158, I think. Greatest regulation. Greatest I saw the score. I saw the score. I said, that has to be a misprint, nope. especially the being buzz, regulation. The buzz, there, nope. there had to be no defense. None. No, oh, no, no, no. They were playing defense. It's yeah. just every missed rebound was a kick out. You know, if, if, if uh, the Wizards had rebounded better, because you can't give up offensive boards, but Westbrook, I've never seen a guy be more active. He would get it. He would tip it out, and it would be a three. And then we'd go the other way, and Bradley Beal was putting on a show. But it was you... awesome to be there because game seven was going on. Right. So I was able to go back in the lounge and watch. But then they put it on the big screen afterwards. It was just a, this crazy excitement. This are you really at all amazing feeling? Are you at all uh, reveling in the Warriors sucking right now? Uh, Not really. No, I mean, nobody. I, I didn't want Steph Curry to get hurt. But a lot of people no. felt that the Warriors – were these cocky overlords, and they don't mind seeing them get their ass handed to them right now. Not I that think they the root for an injury. I think the great irony here is that they built this new billion-dollar stadium, oh, yeah. and, and the team no is, one's going to go. I don't give well, a shit. You have to buy season tickets, I understand, and the suites and everything, but I don't care. People aren't going to go watch this team if they aren't if they're two well, and six. And how do they, they right how do they rebuild what they had before? What they had before was this impossible super team made possible only by this once-in-a-lifetime convergence of talent, luck, and the salary cap jumping up in a way that but, it hadn't done ever before. Good luck replicating what they had they done. Shot them, they shot themselves in the foot, Steve. They went all out, full gusto, and they full, full retard. <laughs> full tard, and they, and they came yeah, up short. Yeah. And they fucked up because... The, the expectations now are going to be off the hook, but they can't. You can't do that. That's what you, you're going to pay the price. Sure, you're going to get your rings. Yeah, but you're going to let your fan base down because it's not sustainable. But part of it is they had to build that new building, and they did. It's on the right side of the water over there, and it's a ton of money. And yeah, ching ching cha ching. All right, yeah. Ron, uh, lots to catch up on next week. Great to visit with you. Glad you had a great time with the parade and. Uh, I'm just going to call you Frank Abagnale the third. <laughs> it's the best movie. The third. Now and Frank the, Abagnale hey, and the, the third. World Series, the World Series games were incredible. It was so it much was, fun. It was awesome, man. I wish every, wish every fan who has a baseball team could enjoy it. It was better than I thought it would be. I, I never thought I'd be a part of that environment and to be sitting in there, even though they lost. It's just It was an, an experience unlike anything I ever imagined I'd be a part of. All right, Ron. So, we'll talk to you later, right, buddy. Bud. Thank you, pal. See you later. See you. Thank you. Bye-bye. We will end on this today. That's it for Francesa. The Pope is retiring. Mike Francesa, the longtime fixture of New York City Sports Radio, told Newsday on Tuesday in a bit of a surprise press release, or at least a statement he gave to Newsday, that uh, he is moving basically all of his content to the digital platform, radio.com, and maybe a little bit of it will be on WFAN, but he will no longer be the Pope of Afternoon Drive. In New York City. That's a significant thing. I know this. I'm going to miss him now that he's gone because the Twitter account at Funhouse or at Back After This, otherwise known as Funhouse, 
has done a masterful job of just chronicling how shockingly delusional and or two-faced Francesa had become in his waning years. He could say one thing with absolute certainty and then a week later say, I never said that or say the exact opposite. It was amazing, breathtaking, fascinating in its own sort of way. And what is unfortunate, I guess, although maybe it's his own fault for even giving it credibility, is that Francesa, on this day that he you know, basically announces, that's it, I'm leaving at the end of the year, has to, it doesn't have to, but he chooses to engage in and deny a story by the New York Daily News that he farted on air. And just went on a rant, you know, saying, that's not true, fake news, I can't believe it, we'd never let that on the air. Just let it, like a fart for real, let it go. Why put this out there? Here is what he sounded like today, denying the fart story. When you were ripping Adam Gase, you know, I just wanted to know what your thoughts were. The Daily News came out with an article that you ripped a fart. I just wanted to know your point on what you, your Uh, What are you talking about? I mean, I don't know what, you're just a moron. I mean, uh, now, Mons, what are you sending me a headline that says what? They actually wrote a headline that said that? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, wait a second. I'm going to read the headline. Mike Francesca appears to rip fought while ripping Adam Gase. Now, here's the thing. The five-minute morning, which Anthony tapes in the morning, first of all, I... It didn't happen. It's a complete lie, which Daily News lies all the time. Secondly, Anthony has to tape that and put it up. If we had something happen, why would we put it up? It's not on live. It's actually something we tape and put up. So we would never put it up. It's not up live, you morons. So So are you saying that you routinely edit out your on-air flatulence before you put up the final product? Is that what you're saying? Are you saying you would redo an entire five-minute sportscast just because a little bit of came out? Come on now, Mike. By the way, if you want to hear... The alleged fart. Here it is. I report you decide. I understand what their livelihood is. I understand how much time they put into it. I've been around a lot of coaches. I understand how much work they put into this, especially NFL head coaches. But when you cannot function. There it is right there. Just a little squirt. But when you cannot function. When you're not functioning as a franchise. <laughs> Listen, there's no shame if it was. But just laugh it off. Like, don't take yourself so seriously. Hell, everyone does it. Except for, I guess, Francesa. Andrew Marshawn, writing in the New York Post this afternoon, says basically he went out in his final year, in his comeback year, after he'd walked away grandly, king of the world on top never beaten in 25 years in the ratings book walked out thinking i'm going on to a new great thing for even more money found out that nobody was going to pay him the money he wanted came crawling back took less money launched an app that was a failure got mocked more by 
people like me, jealous because I don't make as much money as he is, and I don't have the success that he does, uh, as well as uh, having to go out defending whether or not he farted on the air. Not, not a good comeback. It really is like Willie Mays stumbling in the outfield after making a comeback when he should have kept him retired. Enjoy Florida during the winters, Mike. The Pope. Long live the Pope. The Pope is dead. That'll do it for me today. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Ronnie for picking up the phone to talk to me. Uh, Tomorrow is Thursday already. The week is flying by. And then, of course, football five ways Friday. If you don't already subscribe, give it a shot. You can cancel anytime. It's five bucks for the whole month. You get Fridays included, and that includes Mr. X's picks, our rundown of games, other football-related content, you name it. It's a nice Friday festival of football to get your weekend started. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Have a great day, and we will see you next time. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well you can choose any game and just basically call it? Or at least you think you can. Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all that sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. If you bet smart, bet with your head, no over it. It's fun. You can do it. And uh, it's a great hobby to have. As Mr. X says, it's the only hobby that pays you money when it goes well. Between football season, the NBA, and now the start of college basketball, it is time to get off the sidelines. Get in on the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, you can try parlays. So you can bet some big favorites of the week. Who doesn't love nailing a big underdog and saying, yeah, I had that team money line, winner, winner, chicken dinner. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you're tired of watching the games on the couch, just flipping around going, this is boring, I don't care about it. Hey, have 10 bucks on it, 20 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. Trust me, you're now interested. Your adrenaline is pumping. Your Saturday night is all right. If you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit two grand, you get an extra grand in free money to play with and put into action. Promo code is ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, to activate the offer. And once again, promo code ZABE to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Go to MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid.